Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. I can get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll. And on with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Short Bus Debate Club. This is Brian Courtney, and as always, Darren Jolly's across the table from me. Hello. Um, today, in this episode, we are going to be talking about unions. Um, good thing, bad thing. I've got my opinions, which I'm sure you probably knew by now. Um, so, <sighs> unions. I guess what initially kind of got us started on this idea was... Because Darren was laughing at some idiot baristas wanting to form a union or something. Um, so we decided to go ahead and, and talk unions. Like I said, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, before we, you know, get into it too deep, um, a union is basically just a bunch of people getting together and bargaining for the same thing or at least having collective bargaining power um generally i would think that they want the same thing you know better wages better benefits whatever um i think it's kind of funny i had no idea like when the first unions were were started here in the United States. Um, now I know because I did some research because of this show. But the first recorded strike was in 1768, which is a long fucking time ago. What, what, what was the conditions? What was going on? I don't know. I just says first recorded strike. They don't even talk about. They were like basket weavers? No. But in 1794, in Philadelphia, the shoemakers in Philadelphia formed the first union. Cobblers? I didn't call them cobblers at that point. Uh, It said shoemakers. I think I was going to call them cobblers too, but I don't know. A cobbler can do repairs also. Maybe that's the difference. But maybe in 1794 you had to do both. I don't know. I thought of the Keebler Elves for some reason, but those motherfuckers didn't even make shoes. They made cookies. Are you fucking joking me? (laughs) The Keebler Cobblers. (laughs) Um. The National Labor Union was created in 1866. Now, here's something that's kind of cool. In 1867, the National Cigar Makers Union, and that probably wasn't their actual title, but they were the first union to accept women and blacks. What was that year again? 1867. Okay. Also in 1867... 2,000 Chinese workers protested their pay. 
My guess is those 2,000 skeletons are somewhere along the railroad tracks of the Transcontinental Railway. Yeah, I, I can't say for sure, but that, that probably would make some sort of sense. Um, now, here's something, two things that are important with regard to unions and just labor in general. 1913, the Department of Labor was formed. And in 1938, the Fair Labor Standards Act was passed. And that was the first act that included verbiage for minimum wage, overtime pay, and child labor laws. Really, really, really important piece of legislation. Like it's still, in anything that you have in terms of collective bargaining, it's still just brought up all the time. Yeah, I I think I was going to reference it just because of the fact that with legislation like that and some of the other legislation that we've got now, um, I think argues in a lot of cases to just not even fucking bother with unions anymore. But that's my opinion. What what do you think? Okay, so obviously. Since I have, as I suggested many times in previous episodes, that I have an affinity to Marx, um, I think that capital needs counterbalances. I think that the concept of unions is, is, is a very good one, particularly since, in my estimation, corporations are essentially uh, unionized capital. I mean, it's collective capital. You know, I don't, I don't know that that's... Uh, of course, they would never say it that way or think about it that way, but I think it would be helpful if people started to understand that even in the moments when the uh, East Indian Training Company, you know, those guys said, you know, let's let's get our shit together and start, you know, watching each other's back and seeing if we can't pull our, you know, if that doesn't help our collective position become stronger. I think that was a, a good introduction to understanding that collective positions have uh, substantially more abilities to uh, affect uh, outcomes, both in terms of the actions that you're trying to um, do or uh, the positions that you're trying to enhance. No, I, let me let me go off for a minute here. I please. was just going to ask you a question. Okay. Go ahead. No, okay. No. Ask. Go. Ask, bitch. Do your thing. So obviously, um, when capital started to consolidate its position uh, through these various different uh, spaces, whether cartels. Uh, monopolies um, there there needed to be a counterbalance um, so in that sense um, in an ideal type kind of form and because I do believe generally speaking that and I'm not a doctrinaire when it comes to Marx but I do believe that all history history is the history of class struggle I think that everything when it moves forward has to do with tensions between different power positions and that people struggle in in relation to that, in 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 relation to how they're they fit into the system and how they connect to uh, uh to one another. Um, I do think it's very interesting right now how um, in the wake of Bernie running in 2016 and 2020, uh, how much uh, the idea of unionization in the United States, at the least, at least, um, has sort of come to the foreground. Um, but I'm not certain, and I, I, like I suggest in the past, I work for the post office, 
Um, I am a member of the APW uh, Local 229, which is Denver Local. Um, I would just say that uh, the picture that people have in their heads of what it is that a union can do or should do, uh, there's, a, there's a big gap between the, the, the fantasy with regards to what it is that people think should be happening as a result of their collective positions developing and uh, the outcomes that are um, oftentimes not coming to fruition uh, because there I just think that maybe unions aren't at least in the United States right now um, they sort of lost their way um, I, I think I mostly agree with that um, you know there are there are some workers that maybe still require union assistance you know people i mean don't get me wrong i think a lot of people besides these that are gonna that i'm gonna mention are getting fucked over on a regular basis also but probably not as much so you know farm workers where they're paying you by the piece you know or or by the the box or whatever um a lot of that may or may not have to do with, you know, whether or not you are um, a resident alien or whether you're here illegally. Um, but, you know, in, in certain manufacturing facilities, they pay you by the piece. Um, I think certain mining companies are still you know if if you're a coal miner you're probably getting the shaft um literally <laughs> you're, you're a douchebag but that was not a bad one i mean as far as but uh lousy double entendres i don't know i don't know for sure because i don't know any coal miners and i've never seen their pay but i do know that a lot of them you know, in West Virginia and Kentucky, they're still members of the union. Uh, Pennsylvania, you know, now they're selling the clean coal thing, uh, which is fine, whatever. Um, you know, in Colorado, we had our problems with unions and, and coal, too. I mean, lots of people were killed down in southern Colorado by the... What do you call them? Goon squads? Yeah, the, the ones who that... They, they, who were they hiring that? The, roll through? The, I think that was Rockefeller's mine. They were hiring, like, uh, from, like, the uh, the security guard people. What do they call oh, them? Oh, like, uh, not, not Wells Fargo. Yeah, it is um, the other one, yeah. Shit. They talk about them in Deadwood all the time. Um, they were... It'll pop back up here in a minute. We'll figure it out. They were a detective agency too. So you, you at the beginning, and the way you led into that, it, it sounded like you were suggesting that, like uh, in the modern or in the present day, that that you think that generally speaking, right? Those people that I just mentioned, the miners and all of those, I think that maybe those people still need unions. Mm -hmm. A barista at Starbucks doesn't need a fucking union. The guy at Target. Or Walmart or wherever 
doesn't need a union as far as I'm concerned. And, and here's why. <laughs> because if you're a barista at Starbucks, you're making minimum wage plus tips. If you're working at Target, you're making minimum wage. Same goes for Walmart, wherever, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if you're in the union, then you pay 10% of your wages into the pot or a flat fee or whatever. Well, so then I guess that would give the bougie kids at, at Starbucks one other thing to complain about, that the union's taking too much money from them even though they're the ones that form okay. the fucking union. I, I, I got it. So like the way that you introduced when I was making fun of the, the Starbucks kids, like <clears> I want, I want to be clear. My problem with their, with their position is that I think that they are generally speaking, some of them, not all of them, because there are kids that work, I'm sure at Starbucks that, you know, don't come from wonderful backgrounds where they're flush, you know, and, and successful. But I, I think that, uh, when I see the way that, like, so you create a union at uh, at Starbucks. So, like, the, over the course of the last couple of years, uh, the Starbucks locations that have successfully uh, developed or, or uh, voted to put unions in place, uh, they've done it in Buffalo, New York, Mesa, Arizona, Seattle, Washington, Knoxville, Tennessee, New York, New York, and, and some other places that I don't know about yet. But I don't want to... Uh, give the illusion that I don't think I you have to have a counterbalance to capital. I mean, if capital can organize into corporations, there needs to be a, another counterpoint. I mean, do you really think that you're capable of uh, coming in and negotiating with uh, Amazon on an equal playing field as the Amazon position is in terms of negotiating with you? Probably not, but I don't trust a union either. Okay, so Kroger is a large grocery store chain. I think they're nationwide, Mm -hmm. but they own King Supers and City Market stores here in Colorado. Um, A friend of ours worked for King Supers back whenever they fucking went on strike. Um, The point here is that they didn't really support the workers the way that they should have. So our friend worked there. I don't know. I think it was three or four years by the time they went on strike, but there were lots of those employees that had worked there for 15, 20 years and they were paying 10% of their check every week. Was it a flat 10%? Yeah. And the only reason I know that is because they were part of the grocery thing yeah. and that's what I paid when I worked at Safeway that's back brutal, then. That's a brutal number. Ours is just flat fees, but that's a brutal number. Um and maybe once you make so much money they change it to a flat fee, but it was ten percent at minimum wage, which still doesn't make it any better. But so they were paying X number of dollars per week out of their check. And again, my friend had worked there four years. Well, they went on strike. And the whole idea behind the strike is that the union is now going to pay you because you're on strike. The only thing you have to do to get paid is show up to the picket line to show your support for your peers, your 
your brothers in arms, the other people holding the picket line. And I can't remember for sure, but I don't think that they went more than three weeks before the union said, sorry, we're out of money. We can't pay you anymore. Now, how the fuck is that even possible when all of these people were paying per week for all of this time? And, you know, they're going to say, well, we have, you know, overhead and we got to pay for a building and, you know, there's mail and all of this other shit. That's fine. I understand that there's stuff that comes out of those dues. But a portion of those dues was supposed to go to the strike fund. And the strike fund should have paid you for more than two months, three months. I mean, you should have been able to to be in it for the long haul. So at that point, that was where I started to kind of think, okay, maybe the unions are in it more for themselves than they are for the people they're supposed to be supporting. I I agree with the overall point that you're making that sometimes, particularly the people at the top of these, sometimes there's some questionable positions. Um, and maybe the structures of the way that that particular one in King Supers was put together as did not effectively carry out its promise. I don't think that as many people as King Supers employees, that they are that, that any, any union is going to be that liquid that they're going to be able to just pay people's, let me just keep going for a second, right? They're going to be able to just keep paying indefinitely, right? And in the same in the same spirit, these kids that are at Starbucks and rah, 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 sis, boom, buying, this does not help us to negotiate an effective space either through when they run out of the money or when they're sort of like being cheerleaders, sort of like because it's hip to go and, and develop a union or something like that. But just because they're not structured perfectly, I don't think that there will ever be a time um, so long as capital is as powerful as it is that we're ever going to be able to not need some sort of like concrete counterbalance to that position. That's fair. But the reason I mentioned the Kroger thing is because you said corporations need a counterbalance. And the reason I brought up the Kroger union specifically is because to me, it felt like that union was just another fucking corporation. The only difference was they had non-profit filing status for the IRS. Um, but other than that, they, they are a corporation. I mean, and that's just through my eyes. Yeah. I mean, but that was kind of where Roger said, fuck it, I'm not paying the union anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know other people like King Supers that, kind of said, fuck it, I'm done. So much so that it's gotten really weak. I mean... Well, now, see, that's another thing is because, you know, since the 80s, they 
And when I say they, I'm talking about the they that we always talk about. Well, they. They have been trying to break the back of the union since the 80s. Um, and here, they have done a pretty fucking good job because what they're doing is if there's an old store that was a union store, they shutter it and build a new one, you know, a mile or two away. And that new store is now a non-union store. Is uh, it a non-union store because it hasn't established itself as a union store? Or is it because, I mean, how does that work inside of Kroger's or King Cooper's? I, the, to the best of my knowledge, the way that it works is when they open up the new store, it's just non-union. But what they do, and here's where they fuck everybody again, is they call them fee-payer stores. So everybody that works there still has to pay into the union, but they don't get any of the union benefits. Which is horseshit. So at the post office, it's the opposite, actually. If you don't pay into the union, the union still has a legal obligation to bargain on your behalf. Now, I'm not going to make any arguments that if a person is non-union, that they're going to work as hard for that person. But if something ended up going in front of like the, the labor board, you know, the state labor board, and a person could demonstrate that... Uh, they weren't being uh, protected in the same level, then uh, the the union would be liable at that at that point. And to right. what extent, I don't I don't know that I understand exactly what the the full dynamics of it are. But um, having said that, like your, your fundamental argument, I, I I do totally agree with on, on 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 at least in the sense that like the structures of these systems. Uh, in terms of the unions and the way that the unions are sort of like reproducing the positions that they're in is incredibly fucking problematic. Like the people that I saw that were in the union um, at the post office, not, not all of them, but some of them, uh, they went and did it because they didn't want to have to do work anymore. They wanted to be able to sit in an office and there were some that, 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 that worked and worked hard. Um, they know who they are, and the ones that were fucking worthless pieces of shit. They know who, they know who they were too. I mean, I I was a steward for about a year. Um, I couldn't do it because, in my estimation, if you're going to have uh, like so at the station where I where I worked at at that time, which was Bear Valley, um, uh, people would come and they they'd say uh, I got bypassed on overtime, and. Uh, I'm like, well, I need you to write a statement for me about this, you know, uh, and they're like, well, I don't want to do that because then management's going to retaliate against me. And I, I'm, I would say in response, if you want me to be able to do these things that you're asking me to do, if you want me to file a grievance uh, to, to straighten out the situation, which you'll be compensated for in the meantime anyway, um, you need to write these statements. Well, they would never fucking do it. So what ended up happening is I'd just be the monkey in the middle where people would be bitching at me about all this stuff. And I'd have to go and complain to management and management would be like, well, I'm not going to do anything unless they, you know, put their shit down on paper. So, I mean, I'd, I'd be waking up at three o'clock in the morning thinking about fucking whose turn it is on the fucking overtime list. And it would just drive me fucking nuts. How big a pussy do you have to be to not write something down because you're afraid of management retaliation? Are we talking about fucking bamboo under the fingernails? Are we talking about, you know, 
waterboarding. Yeah, I mean, that's what that's what happens. It's just, the retaliation is definitely bamboo and your fingernails. Yeah, and waterboarding and all that. Well, seriously, the, uh, yeah, the, the drips on your forehead. You know, I mean, they they put you in a cell where the the room would be at like a nineteen degree angle. Yeah, so you try to lie down and sleep, and you couldn't fucking sleep. And then they turn the radio on real loud. Yeah, that's that. But again, that's why I quit doing it. You know, I dude, I'm 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 a good fighter. Like if you put me in a position to where uh, you give me the tools that I need to do what it is that I need to do for you, I'm I'm fairly I'm pretty arrogant about the fact that I can I can do it. But these people would just not. You know, now there were ones that did, and they know who they, they know who they are. You know, and they were awesome, and I appreciated them. You know, Connie, she taught me what she taught me. She helped me a lot. Fran, of course, backed me up on everything. Um, that she asked for, but there were some others that would just drive me fucking nuts, man. Um, and, um, in addition to that, go ahead. Well, no, I was just wondering, so so obviously they weren't really waterboarding or bamboo under the fingernails or anything like that. Are we talking about fucking with their hours, taking away vacation days? Really? Honestly, in the environment, when I was there, it would have been the the simplest. I mean, somebody just would have come and talk shit to them. That's it. That would have been it. Oh my God. Why quit? Because I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to sit there and I can't, I can't have you crying at me. You know, I, I, I can help you. I can fight, but I need you to, you know, solidarity is, is, you know, supposed to be the thing where we're all acting together. Apparently they don't know what the word retaliation means. Yeah. I, I, I yes. I, I mean, and this, this is the, again, that's why I quit doing it. Um, but like some of the problems that, I mean, like the way that uh, the union was function function at King Supers and Kroger, there 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 are tons of other problems with them. I mean, like inside of our unions at the post office, uh, all anybody ever wants is free money, you know. And I look, I, I I don't want I don't want that. We need to be in 1970 when the post office uh, had the big general strike where they tried to bring the fucking uh, the what do they call it. Uh, the National Guard in to do, to do the mail in New York when it, when when that all went down they couldn't do it they figured out that this really is actually a job that you have to have skills for you got to remember a lot of shit you know when you're casing stuff and um, when they did that what made them so effective in their strike position was that they they were really running the post office the la- labor was running the post office that's not happening anymore like. Uh, these people are fucking chasing their tail. I mean, the post office is in so much fucking shambles right now. Like, I don't even know what to fucking say or think. So it's particularly like these two jackasses that I have where I work at. Uh, they're the uh, the carrier union guys. And all they're ever trying to do is file for money. They're never trying to get uh, things to run smoother. Like, if you want to be a strong union, and my in my estimation, rule number one is that labor should be running the fucking, the production position. We should fix the process and not my weekly paycheck. And don't get me wrong. I want my weekly paycheck, but I want the process to be there because if the process is there, then the weekly paycheck should come. Right. Okay. Yeah. There. So I, because of what you're saying is another argument that a lot of people are against unions um, where they say, Oh, well, you know, it's just where you protect a bunch of lazy fucks who don't really know what they're doing. 
I don't think that that's really what unions do. And that might be part of it, but I don't think that that's why we should be against unions. You know, I get into arguments, not so much anymore because I'm kind of antisocial, but, well, now these days. At one time, I used to be antisocial, but ironically, I would be a social animal. Um, And I would get into arguments with people, and a lot of them were from the East Coast or from the Midwest, and those guys are still... They're union strongholds, and it's not just because of what it is they do. You know, it's not just electricians or plumbers. It's, fuck it, we want unions for everything. It's like their ethos, like yeah. the, the culture of those environments. Like, you know, Chicago, obviously, um, you know, anywhere in fucking Detroit, New yeah. Jersey, Michigan, yeah, it's it's huge. Um, and that was always their argument. We just need unions to protect us. Mm-hmm. Protect who? Protect all of us. Just everybody from, from the corporation. And then when I would make the arguments that I made at the beginning of this episode, they have a tendency to, you know scoff and and maybe for good reason maybe they've known people that really got fucked over or maybe their labor laws in their particular states weren't as strong because they had the unions so the legislators felt there wasn't reason to you know build strong labor laws i don't know um but shit i mean I usually negotiate with the corporations that I leave and, and I do okay. And I, I know that that is not because of the union, but because of the laws in the state um, of Colorado. I think the point that you're making about the ethos and the culture and the way that people, you know, like the Rust Belt stuff and all the people that were tied to that industrial <coughs> union, you know, auto workers of America kind of, um, this is actually one of my big problems with the entire position. And when I see the, the, the entire position of unions in general, in the United States, particularly, and like when I see the Starbucks kids, you know, holding hands and singing, you know, we're, you know, give us more money, you know, give us sick leave, give us, you know, paid vacation. Um, I don't think that generally speaking, um, and uh, uh, there's a gal out of Berkeley that I've been listening to a lot lately. Her name is uh, Jane McAlevey. Um, I listened to her on Jacobin where she's sitting around talking to uh, these three interviewers by the name of Paul Prescott. He's a big union guy out of Philadelphia, Jen Pan, um, and uh, Ariella Thornhill. Um, uh, one of the things that they talk about when they do their interviewing and they talk about the union uh, the current state of unions, and they're all pro-union, is that generally speaking, there's a there's an incredible disjuncture between uh, the way that people think about it and the way the production process reproduces itself. And this this like to 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 talk to one of those people and for them to say unions because 
they're thinking unions because 1970, you know? And I mean, ultimately, um, like I said, I always think we need a counterbalance to capital, but we have to know what time it is. We have to know, you, you, you know, you can't make history in the historical conditions you're choosing. That means that you need to know what's going on. You need to know how uh, the system is reproducing itself. And if you're not effectively having a fairly decent idea of doing that, you might, uh, I mean, you take, take Chris Smalls and the, the thing that happened in the Staten Island Amazon, uh, where they, they, I mean, the first Amazon facility that was unionized, right? Um, they haven't even gotten Amazon to come to the table. And I don't want to, I don't want to hate on Chris Smalls. I think the kids, he, he makes it about the, he makes it about labor's position. It isn't all about him. He's been a very good spokesperson for, for this whole activity and this movement. But I think generally speaking, um, if you want to have a relationship with Amazon where your bargaining position is effective, it has to be global. You know, you, you can't just be doing it piecemeal. Otherwise, you got no fucking shot. And that's just one example where uh, something that has the depth and breadth that Amazon does in terms of realization of. Well, so the, the only thing I was going to say is that most of these unions and, you know, you mentioned Detroit. So obviously we're talking about the Teamsters. Um most of these unions started off at at one local area, you know. So I'm I'm not gonna say the dude in New York can't make it happen, but what I will say is that he does need to realize when he is, because if he's not careful, he just might fuck everybody up there out of a job. And, and the reason that I say that is because, you know, Amazon has managed to do some incredible shit logistically. And that is with partnerships with the post office. It's with partnerships with UPS. It's with DHL. driving their own trucks, DHL. China Post probably. They're, they're working on research and development, you know, they're, they're working on driverless cars, they're working on drones, they're working on all of this shit. So, you know, you and I talked about the, oh fuck, I can't even remember what episode it was, but I remember talking about the, uh, the McDonald's that had a fucking call center somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, if they're not careful, then Amazon might just say, you know what, fuck you, and uh, we're just going to deliver everything by drone. Now, right now, that is not possible. But next year, it's going to become more possible, and, and you well, know where an, I'm There's going. another retaliation position that they could maintain that would be equally concerning, and that's where, so like Bessemer, Alabama, they tried to, uh, there was a push to unionize down there, uh, an Amazon facility, but Bessemer is a, is a rural area, relatively speaking. I mean, you got enough people to have a, an Amazon facility, so you got tens of thousands of people that are living there. But ultimately, there aren't a lot of labor opportunities in Bessemer, Alabama. Right. And if you unionize the, the, shop, the, or the, the Amazon facility down there, uh, certainly Amazon has the ability to just shut that shop down and, and move, move it elsewhere. Right. This is where... This is where my point about you have to know what time it is. You have to, like, if you're going to do these things, 
they're going to be you're going to have to scale it a little bit differently. And of course, the paradox is is that you don't have the kind of consciousness that you need on a global level right now to where you could say uh, if if the longshoremen and the railway workers and all the logistical logistical spaces in terms of UPS, FedEx, uh, DHL, USPS, China, you know, all the various different we we could just put it all on lockdown so there is no realization of any profits for anybody until uh our position is better bargained for yeah i mean that's that that that's fantasy land that maybe that's where the mafia started influencing the union as much as they did well that was a weird tangent what what, what do you mean was because they just went down to the docks and they said you know what your shit's not coming through until this, this, and this happens. And then put, a sh- put it on the kibosh. Totally shut everything down. I, like I, threading, I don't know for battles. sure. That's what, But what I'm saying is I know, like I've heard the FBI talk about, you know, the mafia controlling the docks in this place or that. Um, I've heard it referenced on fictional TV shows. So maybe, just maybe, that's how they started getting into the unions, and that's how they got with Hoffa to start corrupting the unions to begin with. Or maybe it was farther back, like I said, with the black hand. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But when you said the thing about putting everything on lock, maybe that's where they said, yeah, we've got this piece and this piece and this piece, Mm -hmm. and we can help deliver it to you. But you've got to deliver this to us. Yeah. Um, that's the, real power. But that's where I mean that if that's the truth, that would have been a moment where the black hand, you know, and all the philosophy that developed out of it would have really demonstrated power because they are understanding the process of how realization chains work. You know, like if if you're not interrupting, and and that again, that's another thing about the current moment. And like again, the the Starbucks kids, fourteen kids, and. And I'm not trying. I don't want to shit on you guys. I, that's fine. It's great that you're doing that, and but I hope that you're doing deeper studying and thinking a little bit further than where it is that you're at, at because you're you're a, you're a teeny little turd on an island. You know. I mean, if you if you're if you're wanting to affect meaningful change, you're going to have to do it to scale. You know, and that means that you're going to have to you know, have the longshoremen working with the railway workers, working with the, uh, the people that deliver the packages at the end, you know? Well, and you know, I, I don't mean to talk shit about the Starbucks people. And I know that Starbucks is always saying, you know, we treat our farmers well and we source our beans this way and that. But if I had to guess out of the fucking Starbucks ecosystem, Who's really getting fucked? It's the farmer, not the barista. Well, it doesn't have to be either or. They can both be getting fucked. Yes, but but who knows? I mean, if they're buying it from, is are they buying it from one farmer in Ecuador? I don't think so. They're oh no, they're it. buying it from lots of different farmers in Ethiopia and Ecuador and probably Jamaica. They might even be buying that fucking really expensive cat shit coffee. Cat shit coffee. Yeah, some fucking weird cat eats the beans and then shits them out, and it ends up going for fucking like 
$300 a pound or some shit. That is fucking weird. I don't even think it's really a cat, but I call it cat shit coffee because that animal looks kind of like a cat. But you're, 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 you're suggesting that because they're, they're, they're the ones that are making the giant purchases so they can basically so it's like Walmart when they put rubber made out of fucking business and shit they can they buy so much of the coffee they're setting the price so the small farmer if they want to sell the fucking Starbucks they basically have to accept what it is that they're given at right. that point in time so yeah they're they're probably getting fucked too but oh. again that's something where if you want to respond to it they'd have to do it at scale you know so this is a tangent for sure, but the animal is called the Kopi Luwak. What is it? Oh no, that's the kind of coffee. I don't fucking know. Oh, it's a it's an Asian palm civet. What? That's the kind of animal it is. It is defecated by the Asian palm is that civet? What does and it that's, look like? It, that's the cat shit coffee. We'll show the cat. I don't know where the fucking cat is. <laughs> oh, it looks like a fucking... Uh, oh, come on, cocksucker. It just had a... Oh, there it is. Oh, that is weird, dude. It looks like a little like monkey cat. Yeah, it looks kind of like, like a, a sloth. sloth. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I we're we're coming dangerously close to the end of this thing. Um, so look, you want to protect people. I want to protect people to some degree. Um, you probably don't really want to make money. I would like to make enough money to survive at least. Maybe you know not have to worry you think all the I time just about money. Free? Is it? No, but I know that you want the counterbalance thing, so I don't know exactly what that looks like. So that's my question coming up, is if you were going to create a union, regardless of what industry, right? Let's just say it's union for whatever. What does your union look like? Okay, so... I, I, so I got what seven, eight hours to answer that question. I mean, am I going to be able to have enough time to develop it? Right. So uh, the the important thing is is that as it develops, like the first thing that we have to do is we have to understand the world that we're living in. We need to be interacting with one another in a way to where we all are sort of like participating in and understanding that that's something that's organic and. It's going to like our our knowledge is going to change as we grow because we're interacting with it at the same time. So the union itself would have to start to take on that kind of character. Now, the real shit of it is, is, is that once you start down this path, uh, like we're, we're talking about unions right now. I mean, this is this is a podcast. Uh, this is something that, you know, our, our fucking friends, the intelligence agencies are going to listen to because. They don't right. like unions. They're, well, we're, they're, they're functioning on behalf we're of We're already going to be called communists. Yeah. We're going to be called fucking all sorts of you shit. Know, but you understand why I'm saying so. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 time you try to do anything like this, it's going to be met with a degree of resistance, right? So uh, what it's going to look like on the ground when it happens, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. You know, it's not going to be real fucking pretty. 
but I can't, I can't, I can't make it, you know, but no matter what, it can't be this thing where you have islands over here of Starbucks and one, one facility, you know, in Staten Island. Again, I'm not like what Chris Malls and those guys, those folks managed to do up there was pretty fucking remarkable. I want to give them there, you know, and it, I'm glad that Starbucks kids did what they wanted to do too. That's fucking cool. But still like, the point of these things is these things. I mean, movements where we're trying to deal with these questions of political economy, they cannot function on islands. Like solidarity is about seeing what your interests are and how they connect to other people's interests and how that can, how can, how that can push, push outward. So once that starts to happen, then that, that would be my, my hope, you know, but the fact of the matter is, is that, once that starts to happen, again, all through history is the history of class struggle. If you start to consolidate a position that, that threatens a, a shift in the way that the system is going to reproduce itself, you know, let's see, uh, that guy got killed, that guy got killed, that guy got killed. You know, I mean, this is, uh, what's his, uh, Julian Assange just, you know, posted some pictures of the U.S. military fucking killing fucking uh non-combatants and uh the media you know and he's been in you know prison now for a decade seven years in the ecuadorian you know embassy and three years now and uh in the uk you know i mean there are consequences for activism when you do these sorts of things i mean the fact of the matter is is that right now we're just farting spacesuits you know we're just going back and forth it's just you and me nobody else is listening to this other than those one guys. guy in Maryland and two guys in Virginia, you know, so, but we're still going to talk about it. We're going to think about it because it's healthy and that's, that's what we do. So, <laughs> okay. So I, and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but just to kind of summarize, you know, you want your union to kind of be, yeah, or the, at least the contract initially, you want it to be kind of a a living document. It's it's flexible, you know. Um, not to say that you're going to come in and put amendments in it all the time, but does that mean that the contract comes up more often? I mean that stuff. Okay, we're, yeah, we're, we're going to have to we're going to have to get a little bit further down though. I just hope that. The first thing that we can start to do is reach out across, um, like, I hate the concept of trade unions on one level because trade unions are always stuck in their own spaces. I want things to reach out across borders. I mean, everything that I talked about, transnationalization of the state, transnational capital, transnational this, transnational that. So you just getting want us out of boxes. a larger network and connectivity throughout and communication throughout said network. Yeah, because then we're all working on it sort of together. That's, I mean, that's the, but that's so far down though. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's like if that, if anything inside of the post office even started to threaten that, they would put the fucking kibosh on that shit so quick. Yeah. I mean, it'd be, it'd be a done deal. So that's fair enough. I just thought I'd ask because I, I don't necessarily know what mine would look like either. You, I would but like. Do you do you think there needs to be a counterbalance? I mean, in any form, or does it, is it something that we should just generally leave to the individuals to do on their own? Well, so again, you know, when they had people working fucking eighteen hours a day for 
13 cents. I think maybe those people needed some protection, you know, when they're getting their fucking arm squashed by a pallet of, you know, barrel or oil barrel drums or whatever. And they just don't even pay to get his fucking foot amputated. I think that guy needed some protection. Um, you know, when they've got a five-year-old working that's seven days a week, yeah. but then Six again, days a week's okay. But yeah. Seven days a week. You got to draw the line. Then again, a lot of the kids aren't learning anything in school either. So maybe they should get a job. Um, I don't know. I don't know what, <laughs> what the union so would, would be, look it like. It would be a contextual thing. Then. Yeah. I think, I mean, the protection thing, I definitely want to be there. What I don't want to happen is, again, to just create another fucking corporation that's just out for themselves. Because then I feel like I'm ripping off the people that I told I was going to protect to begin with. The, yeah, the institution, when that happens, it loses sight of what it's there for. And right. It's, yeah, it's just used for something else, to ex extract money for some lazy motherfucker that doesn't want to have to go and actually do it. Do yeah, it. or whatever. Um, Maybe some asshole that wants to go buy a yacht or a vacation home or whatever. Because, I mean, some of these unions... When they get as big, I mean, because, you know, fuck, the Teamsters, what did, what did those numbers say? That 1. they had 1. 1. 1. 1.2 billion, billion by 1950? 1947. I mean, that's a lot of fucking people. Insane. It couldn't have been 47. It had to be later because it had to be far enough after World War II to where the numbers come. You know, people come back from the war and all that shit. Yeah, but I mean, either way, yeah. that's a lot of people lot paying of people. into the union yeah. and... You know, so a lot of places for Jimmy Hoffa and his buddies to to swipe some cash here and there, right? Or just fucking not even swipe it, just walk right out with it and say, "Hey, I'm taking this money. I'm going to Florida with all my mafia buddies. My We're gonna wave to Castro, talk about assassinating." Kennedy, um, sorry, I was looking at the number, but I know we're coming up. Yeah, so at 1950, it was 1. 1.2 million. Um, yeah, so I we're we're at like 50 some minutes now. We need to wrap this thing up. Um, well, let us know what you think about unions, what you would do with the union, or who you want to protect in whatever job. Um, we thinking about midterms for Monday, maybe? Yeah, we can do that. Okay. Midterms on Monday and some sort of other political shit next week or entertaining stuff on Wednesday. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> if we're just talking about our political system, that's pretty much just a joke on its face anyway. So. Um, Twitter is Short Bus Debate. TikTok is Short Bus Debate Club. 720334-ROLL. And that's what we're going to do. Roll, bitches. Roll. Roll. See you guys later. Later.